Well, praise God. Take your Bibles out if you would. Turn with me to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs. I'm going to be speaking on vision this morning. The progressive revelation. Proverbs chapter 29. This week I was looking at uh, Facebook. I get on there occasionally. I'm, I'm not an everyday visitor, but once in a while I remember I have a face page. and I'll click on there and scan around. Some people live on that thing, brother. I'm telling you. Whew. I, I'm, not a, I'm not on there every day. But uh, I was on there this week and I saw a scripture verse that someone posted and it caught my attention. And it was Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But then it said, but did you read the rest of this? It says, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Let's pray that God will bless this word this morning. Father, as we open your word, God, I believe that you have a now word for Central Virginia Assembly of God. Lord, you have a now word for those who will be hearing this over the internet, Lord. It's a now word for us, God, because we need your vision. Lord, because without that, we don't know where to go, God. We don't know what to do or how to get there. So, Lord, we pray that you would give us that vision, but most of all, we would be obedient in walking that vision out so that we'll be happy, God, in you. With this, We ask in Jesus' name, amen. In 1998, I think it was, right around about the time we planted the church here, a man asked me a question. He came up, he said, Pastor, what is the vision for our church? And I thought, well, I should be able to answer that question. What is the vision for our church? Because, see, to me, the vision, the word vision at that time meant We need to have a clear direction of what God wants us to do and where we're going and how we're going to get there. The only problem was, I didn't know. I didn't know where we were going or what exactly we were supposed to do. And I had no idea how we were going to get there. All I knew is, I knew God wanted me to do this. That I knew. I knew it was the right thing to do. I knew it was the right time to do it. I knew that this was the right place. I knew that I was the right person to do this. But to stand there and articulate to somebody what the vision of our church was, I couldn't do that. I didn't have an answer for this man. And since Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says, where there is no vision, the people perish, I thought, well, I better be getting one. <laughs> Or we're going to be in deep trouble here. Because without a vision, we're going to all perish. But then later on, I come to understand that that's not exactly what that passage of Scripture is saying. If you read it in the NIV, it says it this way. And it brings it out a little clearer what's being said here. It says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's Instruction And the New Living Translation, I believe it brings it out even a little bit better and a little clearer. It says, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. You see, 
When God gives us something to do, and if God's never given you something to do, you don't know His voice, you don't know how to hear from God, and you've never really gotten direction or instruction from God, you won't understand this. But if God has given you a clear direction of something to do, you may not know exactly what that's going to look like, where it's going to go, or how you're going to get there, but you know there's something you should do. It may be something simple. God says you need to go over and visit this person, or you need to be praying for this situation, or maybe you need to help this person out, or just something. You need to leave where you're at because this is not some place you should be, or just anything that God directs you to do. And you're obedient, and you do that. Folks, it brings a satisfaction that nothing else will give you. To know that God has given you instruction and you have followed it. But without that divine guidance, we don't know where we're going. It says you're running wild. It's kind of like, in my mind, it's like ashes in the wind. And, and have you ever known people in their life is just like ashes in the wind? We, we had a, a man show up at the church Wednesday night. And man, my heart went out to the guy. His life is it's like ashes in the wind. He has no direction whatsoever. He's been to Florida, North Dakota. He's been up and down the coast, and he he was just he was a homeless man, and uh, we helped him out as much as we could, you know. And he's on his way to Pennsylvania, and after that, there's no telling where he's going, no direction. And I thought, how many people's spiritual lives is just like that? Without divine guidance, yeah. you're just running wild. You 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 don't know where you're going. You just have no clear direction. So this morning, I wanted to kind of clear up our understanding a little bit about vision. Now, we think of vision as having goals. Now, we should set goals. We should set goals as a church. You should have personal goals. But you need to understand that your goals are exactly that. They're your goals. That's not necessarily God's vision for you. Goals are good, and you should set goals. But the goals that we set should never trump or supersede God's vision for our life. In other words, sometimes I get in my mind what I'm wanting done, and don't mess with this, God. You know, a lot of churches are like that. Brother, they've got their order of service, and you better not deviate from it. Because if the Holy Spirit wants to do something over here, that's not in the order of service. We can't do that that way. One of the statements of a dying church is we've never done it that way before. The Holy Spirit has to ask permission sometimes to change the agenda. And so we kind of understand uh, vision sometimes that they're goals that we set. But we need to understand sometimes our goals are not. They're just that. They're our goals. We need the divine guidance that God gives us. Now, last week, Brother Frank Potter was here. How many of you enjoyed that? It it wasn't that. And if you stayed home last week, I understand it was snowing and some people were afraid to come out in the snow. You really missed a very, very intense time in the presence of God. Um, I knew the minute I laid eyes on Frank, he was anointed. Because he had that Elijah anointing, brother. That's right. Some people said, Elijah anointing? Oh, yeah. Did you know Elijah was one of the most anointed men in the Old Testament? He was. Now, Elisha, his, his, his successor, had a double portion of his spirit, but not his anointing. I mean, how many prophets do you know that was caught up in a fiery chariot? And he told him, said, if you see me go, 
you'll have what you ask. And it was not just a, this is not just a, a fable. I mean, there were eyewitnesses. This is documented history. He was caught up in the fire chariot. One of the most anointed prophets of the Old Testament. And one of his claims to fame was the children ran behind him calling him Old Bald Head. And a she-bear ran out of the cave and ate up those children too. So you just better mind yourself. Alright, because there's bears right behind the church here. I know because my neighbor jumped three of them during hunting season. Alright, so you better mind yourself. Got that Elijah anointing going on. Well, Frank had that too, so I knew, bless God, he was anointed. Hallelujah. Well, he met with the church board afterwards. And we talked about, he, he is our uh, district uh, secretary and treasurer. And so we talked about the building project and the possibility of getting a loan through uh, s- some people that he knew. And he said that we are going to, they're going to be asking us for a five-year plan. And I remember that. Because when we first got the loan here, they asked me the same question. Give me a five-year plan. And I said, brother, I don't know what I'm going to do next week. How can I tell you what I'm going to do five years from now? What would, have that, what would Jesus have said if they had asked him that? Give me your five-year ministry plan, Jesus. He couldn't have gave one either. Because he only ministered for three years. So I'm like, how can I answer that question? And I know it's coming. Well, I'm going to tell them our goals and what I would like to see happen. But folks, that's not vision. You see, sometimes we get these things confused because only God knows what your tomorrow holds. We didn't know what was going to happen here today. We don't know what's going to happen here today. God knows that. And if He doesn't tell you, (laughs) you're not going to know either. And so this brother was like, tell me, what is the vision for your ministry, Pastor? What he was saying is, I want to see if I'm going to buy into what you're doing here. If it sounds good enough, then I'm in. I knew what he was asking me. What's the vision for your ministry? I'm like, I don't know. How's that for you? I don't know. God didn't tell me, so I can't tell you. I can make something up and say, oh, thus saith the Lord. You better be careful, because the Bible talks about prophets saying, thus saith God, when I haven't spoken. All right. So I've learned if God didn't tell me, I can't tell you. And more times than not, vision doesn't come that way. We don't know the end from the beginning. And when we look in Scripture, that is just almost across the board, that was the case in every servant of God. Now, I took for an example, just to kind of clarify what I'm saying, Abraham, for example. Abraham had no idea what the end would look like from the beginning. He is in the Ur of the Chaldees in Genesis chapter 12 verse 1. And the Lord said to Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you. You see, while he's standing in his comfortable home in the Ur of the Chaldees, God didn't show him the land that he was going to. He said, Get out and go. I'm going to show you when you get there. Now, what was his vision? He didn't know. God would reveal it when he got there. You say, what's your vision? I don't know. I'll know when I get there. I'll know when I get there because I know God's going to tell me what to do when I get there. 
So Abraham, he takes off, you know. He goes wandering through the land of the Canaanites. And the Bible says that he built an altar and God came down. Oh, don't you love it when God comes down? He came down last Sunday. If you weren't here, the whole church was gathered around the altar. And wasn't that an incredible time in the presence of God? Man, I live for those awe moments like that. And he's in the land of the Canaanites. He builds an altar and God came down. He said, Abraham, I'm going to give you this place. And so he wanders around. He comes to a place named Bethel. And he builds an altar and God comes down. You see, when you're walking out your vision, there are times that God comes down. Times that you have some intimate meetings with God. Brother, over the years, we have had some incredible times with God right here in this ministry. We've had incredible times with God in people's homes and stuff where God just came down. And His presence was there. And it was a good thing. Amen. Good to see you back in the service, Ed. Praise God. Isn't God faithful? Amen. Amen. Yes. Give Him praise. Hallelujah. Amen. I knew He wasn't going to take Him somewhere. We prayed and God touched Him and that's, that's that. Praise God. So sometimes when you're starting out, man, you have some great meetings and when you're walking out God's vision. But then, all of a sudden, there was a famine in the land. How many of you know that when you're walking out God's vision, sometimes there's some really dry places? And so he went down to Egypt. Sometimes when you're walking out God's vision, you're surrounded by people who hate you. Your enemy. Because throughout the Bible, Egypt is always representative of sin and evil and those who want to destroy God's people and those who, want to, those who hate God's people. Sometimes walking out your vision, you're not just around the warm and fuzzy. Yeah, come on. And you're right in the middle of God's will. Because sometimes it gets very dry. And so finally, he, they, Pharaoh, he struck with an illness because, because you ought to understand, Sarah was a babe. She was a looker. And Abraham said, don't tell them that you're my wife. They'll kill me to take you. And so sometimes walking out God's vision, we try to do things our way. See, that wasn't God's vision for him. To lie about his wife and be worried about Pharaoh. That wasn't God's vision for him. So sometimes we, we, even though we're walking out what God has for us, He is fulfilling His purpose. But sometimes we do things on our own and it doesn't work out very well for us. He said when you have divine direction, when you have divine direction and you obey that, it gives you happiness. It gives you joy. But when you don't have that, you're just running around. He wasn't supposed to be in Egypt. But he found himself there. But anyway, he, he, he left and he came back to the land of the Canaanites and he started dwelling there. And the next thing you know, God's blessing Abraham and his cowboys and Lot, his nephew's cowboys, are all fighting with each other. Because sometimes walking out your vision... People are squabbling about stuff. And it's God's blessing that they're fussing about. Are you hearing me, church? And you're looking at that as like, it's the blessings of God. What are you fussing about? And Abraham is standing there and he's like, it's foolishness. Oh, it's real important to you. 
But to God, it's nonsense. It's foolish. And Abraham's like, all right, all right, all right. Okay, already. Pick where you want to go, and whatever is left over, I'll take it. Because sometimes walking out your vision, you've got to be willing to sacrifice. And so Lot, being his selfish little self, and not really showing reverence and respect to the man who's really got the call, says, I'm going to take the fertile plains of Sodom. Where the grass is good, my cows have got more to eat. And so Abraham says, fine. So he goes up on the mountains where there's nothing but bramble bushes. There's no real moisture. There's not a lot of grass. And he's got to try to feed his cattle in what's left over. And, and then, the next thing you know, because Lot didn't show respect to this man, he loses everything. Because five kings come against them and takes Lot and all of his possessions and runs off with them. Sometimes... In God's vision, bad things happen to people that you love. And you don't understand that. Are you hearing me, church? I hope you're connecting the dots here. Because sometimes walking out God's vision, we don't always see what's coming. Abraham didn't see the end from the beginning. And so Lot is is taking off and, and sometimes you have to go and fight hell back to get them. Back again. Because Abraham went and fought all five kings to rescue Lot and his family. And he brought back all their possessions. But sometimes fulfilling God's vision in your life, you have to fight back hell. For the people who have fallen into the clutches of the enemy. How many of you know some people that's fallen into the clutches of the enemy? Now Abraham could have said, "Uh uh-huh. See there? You didn't honor me. You didn't respect me. You were greedy little self. You had to have the green, plush uh, plains of Sodom. And now, see what happened? Serves you right. Huh? How many people have that attitude when you see something bad happen to someone? Because you know they're out of the will of God. He didn't look at it like that. He went and rescued them. Sometimes if we're going to walk in the God's divine direction, we have to go fight back hell to bring back yeah. those who are in the clutches of the enemy. Yeah. And then on his way back, I believe because of Abraham's heart, because he had the right way of executing the vision as it was revealed to him, he met Melchizedek. See, on the way back from the slaughter of the kings, he met Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a type of Christ. The Bible says that Jesus is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And it says, who was this man Melchizedek, the king of Salem, of Salem? It says he had neither father nor mother, beginning or ending of days. It sounds like a mystical person, but actually what it is talking about, and I'm not going to go into detail about this, but it's talking about he didn't have any lineage that he could trace back that would make him a priest. He didn't have a father or mother or lineage that he could trace back like Levi did. And he didn't have beginning and ending of days. In other words, he didn't have a beginning of that lineage where we could say, Jesus is a priest after this priesthood. Because Levi did. He wasn't a priest after the order of Levi, the priestly tribe. But he was a 
priest after the order of Melchizedek. So what it's a picture of is when you've been obedient to God, sometimes we have some really, really special, one-on-one, intimate times with Christ. Man, those are the moments we live for. When we have that time is... How many of you know what I'm talking about in here? You just really have some special times. Just you and the Lord. We need to look for those times. And when they come, boy, you cherish them. Genesis 15, 1, it says, And after these things, and I want you to see this. After these things, the word of the Lord. Everybody say that with me. The word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision. You say, wait a minute, I thought a vision was something that you see. No, a vision is a revelation of what God is doing and saying in your life. And sometimes it comes in just an understanding. The word of the Lord came to him in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And then Abraham goes on and he says, well, what about, what am I going to do? You said you're going to bless me and bless nations by me. I don't even have a son. Eleazar, my servant, is my heir. And God says, oh, no, 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 no. Go outside, Abraham. Go ahead, walk outside. Look up. How many stars do you see up there, Abraham? He's like, He said, that's how many kids you're going to have. Abraham's saying, boy, I better get busy. I'm like, that many children. And then sometimes when we're walking out our vision, we get really impatient, waiting on God. We should have already been in that new building. We should already be busting the seams in attendance. We should already this and that and that and the other thing. So go get Hagar. Bring her in here. We're going to do it my way. So Sarah says, I don't have a son. Take my handmaiden, Hagar, and lay with her that she can have a son unto me. Folks, that was not God's vision. And when you step outside of God's vision, that divine guidance, you're running wild. But if you obey the Lord, you'll be joyful. But what happens when you don't obey God? You get an Ishmael. That's what you get. And it haunt you the rest of your life. They're still fighting today. And when it comes to the battle of Armageddon, you know what that's really going to be? Two brothers fighting. They've been fighting throughout history. Ishmael fighting against Isaac. That's where it's all headed. Everything we see going on right now is Ishmael and Isaac. Getting ready to duke it out. The battle lines are being drawn. That's what we're seeing right now. And in our own walk, when we try to do it our way, instead of just waiting for God, hearing from God, getting that divine revelation, knowing what our real vision is, we birth Ishmael's. And it will war against you. But if we're faithful to listen to God... And learn how to hear His voice and step out when He tells us to step out. God will always keep His promise. It may take 99 years. Because <laughs> God shows up and says, I'm going to bless Sarah. And she laughs. She's 99 years old. 
Well, he's 99 years old and says, I'm going to bless you. Well, well, Isaac was born. Folks, if you're faithful to God's vision, he will always keep his promise. And then he goes on and Sodom and Gomorrah is destroyed. See, God, he said, will I do a thing without first showing it to my servant? And he comes down and shows it to Abraham. You see, when we're walking in the vision of God and we're letting God lead us and guide us by revelation, by divine guidance, that's what a vision is. It's a progressive revelation. And when we're walking in that, we have a relationship with God that He'll show us things that other people don't even know that's getting ready to happen. Because He came down and says, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham. And Abraham, of course, he, he negotiates with God and tries to save it, and he couldn't. But the thing that I want you to see is there was a friendship. The Bible says that Abraham obeyed God, and God called him his friend. So when we walk in that vision, and we fulfill that, and we're faithful to it, God has a relationship with us. And then he moves on, and he goes into the house of Abimelech, and I could go on and on and on. But you say, what is the point of all of this? The point that I want you to see is Abraham is just an example of every single servant in the Bible. It doesn't matter which one you Joshua, if you look at all the judges, Samuel, Gideon, Deborah, Jephthah, all of them. The king, Saul, David, the prophet, Samuel, Elijah, Hezekiah, Zedekiah, and all. I mean, no matter who you name, God directed them to a progressive revelation. Everybody say progressive. Revelation. Revelation. Even Jesus. This, this, this was an amazing revelation to me. Even Jesus didn't know the end from the beginning. In the earthly man, Jesus, of course, the Messiah, the, the, the God-man did. But Jesus, the man, he said in John chapter 8, verse 28, Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am He. And that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. He only spoke what God taught him. In other words, he didn't didn't know everything that he was going to do. That was an amazing thing to me because I had it in my mind that Jesus knew exactly what the day would unfold. But he didn't. He was right in the middle of a sermon And all of a sudden, some guys start tearing off the roof on the house. He didn't know that was going to happen. They let the man down. He said he saw their face and he healed the man. He's right in the middle of his sermon. And here comes Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, and said, My daughter is dying. If you'll come and lay your hands on her, I know she will be made whole. He didn't know that was going to happen. It was a divine revelation. He's doing this and God says, Go with him. How did he say that? Faith always moves God. He saw the faith of Jairus and he immediately followed him. He's on his way to Jairus' house and a woman standing over here that's got the issue of blood said, If I can just touch his garment, I know that I will be made whole. Fights her way through the crowd and touches him. He didn't know that was going to happen. How do we know that? Because he stopped and said, Who touched me? He didn't know that was going to happen. So I'm thinking to myself, if this man would have come up and said, Abraham, what is the vision for your ministry? Abraham would have said, I don't know. (laughs) Jesus, what is the vision for your ministry? Jesus would have said, I don't know. 
I'm going to go sit by this well. I'm going to send my disciples into town to get some food. And I'm going to rest a while. Suddenly here comes a woman. Give me a drink of water. She said, why are you asking me, a Samaritan, to give you a drink of water? You being a Jew. He said, if I give you the water that I have to drink, you'll never thirst again. How can you give me the water to drink? You have nothing to dip with. I have water that you don't even know about. He didn't know none of that was going to happen. He was guided just as we are. By divine revelation unfolding progressively in their life. That is our vision. And that's what I want and hope we can understand today. Because if we do that, the Bible says that we will be blessed. Remember when he's standing with his disciples? And he says, who do men say that I am? They say, well, some say you're Elias or you're Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. He said, well, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. What did he say? Blessed are you, Simon Peter, for flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Now, how did he do that? I don't believe that he came down and said, Peter, he's the Messiah, the Son of the living God. I don't think Peter heard a blasted thing. A question was asked, and suddenly he just knew the answer. He just knew. You do, how does God speak to you? You just know. You just, you just know in your knower. Yeah. Yeah. It's God revealing something to you that you have no way of knowing. Yeah. And He's doing that all the time. What is our vision? What is your vision, brother? I think the real question is, what is our purpose? Now that I can answer. What is our purpose? We need to understand what our purpose is. But the, the purpose is why we're here. The vision is how we're going to carry out the purpose. And so when you ask the purpose, Abraham knew what his purpose was. If you look at Genesis 12 again, we read verse 1. Let's read all the way down to verse 3. It says, Now the Lord said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, unto thy father's house, unto the land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation. Now he knows his purpose. My purpose is to become a great nation. I will bless thee, and I will make thee a, thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. My purpose is to be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, I will curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now Abraham knows his purpose. He has no idea how he's going to carry this out. What is your vision, brother? <laughs> what is your vision? I, maybe I should ask him that. Well, what is your vision? Give me your five-year plan. It didn't insult me, but I'm thinking, I knew what he was asking. I'm going to see if I'm going to buy into what you're doing, brother. I don't know. Abraham didn't know. He knew his purpose. Now, God wants to show us both our purpose, and He will show us how to carry that out. Because God will show you when, where, and how. If you will look, listen, and learn. Did you hear me? 
He'll show you when, where, and how. They all begin with a W, don't they? I could preach on that. Uh, a W for each point. If you will look, listen, and uh, they all begin with an L, didn't they? And I could have preached on that. When, where, and well, how doesn't begin with W H O W. And look, learn, and listen, yes. Because God has something to say to you. He really does. You see, that's part of our purpose. Church, I want you to hear me. This is part of our purpose. God wants to say something to you. How does He say something to me? We just know. I've never heard the audible voice of God. Maybe you have. I haven't. I've heard God many times, though. Because He said in John chapter 10, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. He said to the last church, the church of Laodicea, the church that says, we don't need anything. We got everything. And he said, you don't even know that you're naked and blind and wretched and poor. You don't even know it. And he says in Revelation 3 verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's talking to the church. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. To him that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Church, that's part of our purpose for being here. God has something to say to the churches. But if I got in the pulpit of many churches today and made that statement, they would look at me like I was crazy. Because if God spoke to them, they wouldn't know what they... They they don't have ears to hear. He said in the last days there will be churches called the church of Laodicea. And Thyatira. And he goes down the list. And all of them he says the same thing. If you got ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying. And I believe that that is our purpose. Because God speaks to us. God speaks to us, people. He speaks in all different kinds of ways. And I wanted to be a part of a ministry that was open to the Holy Spirit's voice, to hear the Holy Spirit speak and guide us. I know the purpose. I just don't know how to get there. I won't know until He shows me. And we won't know until we get there. But I do know when He speaks... And there's been time after time after time that I've gotten this pulpit and I had no idea what was just taught by Brother Joel in the Sunday school class or Jeff Lane or whoever was teaching in other classes. Had no idea. They didn't know what I was going to preach on. And we would minister on the exact same points. We'd get together after and it's like, am, am I telling you the truth, Joel? They'd say, I know we're getting together and comparing notes. Didn't we say that? Because it would be just amazing how God would bear witness with one or two witnesses. 
and confirm his word time after time after time because he had been before God. Jeff and others had been before God. I had been before God and God said, this is what I want you to say today. The revelation being unfolded right before our eyes. Progressive revelation. Divine guidance. So that you're not just running wild and don't know where you're going. God speaks to you through His Word. Sometimes on Sunday morning when I'm preaching, God says something to you. You may get something out of the message and somebody else gets something entirely different. But God spoke to you. Are you still with me? Listen. Look this way. Pay attention now. You're fading on me. We'll come out there and tap you on the shoulder. No. Other people. I got a message this week, a text. It says, Pastor B and Jeannie, I feel it imperative we fast and pray that CVAG be ready for the impending move of God. Please take it to the Lord for His direction for you. I knew that was the word of the Lord. I didn't have to pray about it. I knew when I read it. That was the word of the Lord. God just spoke something to me. God speaks to us all the time. Are you listening? I immediately went on a fast right then. I didn't wait. I went on a fast right then. Monday night, I told the the staff, I said, I want us until further notice. I don't want to go on a three-day fast, 21-day fast. Until further notice, we are going to live a life of fasting. I want you to fast at least one day a week. For the purpose of praying that CVAG will be ready for the impending move of God that's coming. That's what the Lord said we need to pray about. That's what we're going to pray about. That was the word of the Lord. God speaks to us through prophecy. Last week, Lisa Potter, the pastor's wife, was here. Got up just to say hi. And the Lord moved on her and said, The facility that you are building will not contain what God is going to do here. We all wound up around the altar. People begin to give testimony. Nancy wanted to say something. I handed her the mic and she's just sharing what's in her heart. Not realizing that it was thus saith the Lord. Because Lisa had said something about us toiling, tilling the ground and preparing it for the seed. And Nancy said, it's our children. It's our children. Folks, we may not see the revelation of God that I'm looking for and longing for. The move of God. I may not see it. I hope I do. God hasn't shown me. I can't tell you whether we're going to see it or not. God hasn't told me. I can't tell you. But I did hear him say, your children. Your children are going to usher in a great move of God. So God speaks to us. See, those gifts, folks, listen. That's another part of our purpose. Those gifts have not passed away. I don't care what anybody says. Somebody asked me just the other week, where do they get this? They say that it's not biblical. I read it in the Bible. How is it not biblical? And I said, because they go to one passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, and pull it completely out of context. Do you guys mind if I take my time this morning? Because I've got a little gaxed grind here. They pull it out of context. 1 Corinthians 13 is talking about love. The whole chapter is about the subject of love. If you have the sound, if you have the uh, t- if you have the tongues of both men and angel and have not loved, you become a tinkling brass and a, and a sounding cymbal. And it goes on and it talks about where there's prophecy and where there is tongues, and it says where there is tongues they shall cease. Where there's prophecy it shall cease, and they say, see there it's it's going to cease. Yeah. 
when that which is perfect has come. It says, because now we know in part. We know in part. Everybody say, we know. We know. Anybody in here know everything? I don't know everything. We still only know in part. Therefore, we only prophesy in part. I can't prophesy everything if I don't know everything. I don't know any. Well, yeah, I do. I met a guy that knew everything. But he's not here, so I know you don't know everything. If you didn't believe it, just ask him. He'd tell you. In fact, he asked me, what's the vision for your church, brother? So we only know in part, we prophesy in part. When that which is perfect has come, that which is in part shall be done away or it shall pass away. And they take that scripture and say, the Bible is that which is perfect. Well, then it is inerrant. It is infallible. It is inspired. And boy, if I say it's not perfect, people are going to be throwing rocks at me. It is perfect in its content. It's not perfect in our understanding of it. Maybe I should say it that way. It's clearly talking about the glorified body. It is talking about when Jesus comes and we are transformed into our glorified body. We won't need to prophesy anymore. Everything will be here. He will be here. He says, now, now by its faith, which takes, which takes in all the gifts and the moving of the Spirit that still operates today, now by its faith, hope, and love. And he comes back to the whole topic of this chapter. And the greatest of these is love, the topic of the chapter. It's not talking about the gifts of the Spirit passing away. My Lord, the gifts of the Spirit haven't passed away. They're still relevant today. They operate. God speaks to us through prophecy, through tongues, through interpretation, through words of knowledge, through words of, of, of prophecy, through words of wisdom. Miracles and healings, all the gifts, they're still operating today. And God speaks to us through those things. He speaks to us through testimonies. Jeannie's reading a book right now. He spoke to her. Kisses from Katie. About a young girl that went somewhere on a missions trip and, and it convicted her. She was convicted from this girl's testimony. And God says, you need to do this and this and this and this. Through that testimony. God speaking. Are we listening? Facebook postings at the sermon today is from something I read on, believe it or not, God can even use Facebook to speak. Sometimes he may tell you you shouldn't be talking like that and showing that and make sure you don't do what that person just did. Mostly I believe that God speaks to us through the revelation in our spirit. Let me give you an example. I was fasting, and I went into the new sanctuary to pray. I'm up around the altar area, and I'm praying. I knelt down, and I prayed for a while. Then I got up, and I'm doing a prayer walk. And I, and I prayed about a number of things. And when I'm walking out of our new sanctuary, when I got in the doorway of the new sanctuary, this is what I heard in my spirit. Dichotomy. And it stopped me dead in my tracks because I knew that was God. Because I don't even know what a dichotomy is. I thought, dichotomy? That sounds like a procedure at a doctor's office that's no fun. What in the blazes of the dichotomy? And I said, what, what are you saying to me, Lord? And Lord said, pray against a spiritual dichotomy in your church. 
And I'm like, okay. And I'm thinking, I'll do that as soon as I know what a dichotomy is. Now, I'm not going to ask you. I was a goof-off in school. So probably everybody in here knows what a dichotomy is. And if you do, a whoopee-doo for you. So I'm not going to ask if you know what a dichotomy is. Because if you do and you raise your hand, you're going to make me feel even more ignorant than I already feel. And if you don't know what it is, I don't want to make you feel ignorant either. So I went and looked it up. A dichotomy is the division into two usually contradictory parts or opinions. It's a division between two contradictory parts or opinions. A dichotomy should always refer to a division of some kind into two groups. It is sometimes used to refer to a puzzling situation which seems to involve a contradiction. Folks, God will tell you. He will unveil the revelation to you if you listen. And I'm standing there and God says, pray against the spiritual dichotomy in your church. I'm like, okay. So right now, in Jesus' name, I bind division. Groups that would sever off to try to do something different than the vision of this ministry. I come against that in the mighty name of Jesus because he's instructed us to pray against it. And we pray against that right now. God, cut it down. Destroy it. Lord, you said I would that these would be one even as you and I are one. Lord, we want to walk in unity. So, Father, we pray that you help us all get behind the same vision, Lord, and walk in unity. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Another thing, I was in prayer a few weeks ago. The reason that you saw the mission moment today came from prayer a few weeks ago. And God said, Bernie, you're not praying for your missionaries like you ought to. And then I thought, none of us are. And as I pondered on that, it occurred to me that if I mention Lewis Johnson, how many of you get an image of who Lewis Johnson is? Most of us in here, you may not even know that we have a missionary named Lewis Johnson or Aaron Santamayor or Mark Gardner or Sean Gallion or Tutupu and Megan Fiti that we just met. And I could name off all of our missionaries and we're like, we got a missionary that's, we don't know who they are. We're certainly not going to pray for them if we don't even know who they are. That's my fault and I apologize for that. So, the, so God has said, I want you to start praying for your missionaries. And I have. I've been beginning to pray for them. I'm praying especially for Rick and Elaine Caswell right now. We sent a missions group over there. They're in Mali, Africa. And if you've been watching the news, Mali has become the new hotbed for Al-Qaeda. They're setting up their training camps in Mali where our missionaries at. I don't know what's going on with them. So I've been praying for them. That God will keep them safe because they're in probably one of the most dangerous places in the world right now. And so I said, well, how can we effectively do this? So I went to Hunter. I said, Hunter, every week we're going to put the picture of our missionary up there. So when people hear their name, <clears throat> when you hear Peyton Harris, you're going to see his picture. Somebody, It's going to come to your mind. And we're going to pray for them every single week. Because God is speaking to us. He's unveiling this vision progressively if we will listen but you know that is our purpose this is why god has put us here 
And over the years, God has transformed the lives of many of you. Some of you were a wreck when you walked into this place. And God is doing some marvelous things in your life. I was telling the group in the back, it's sort of like a child. We watch children grow. We don't really see the progress from here to here because it's so gradual. But if you look at the pictures, I just posted a new face page picture of me in Brooklyn. She's a tiny, tiny little thing. I mean, you saw it. Wasn't it cute? Yeah, that was cute. Yeah. She's grown. We, didn't, we see the growth when we kind of have something to compare it to. Well, God has done that in, in, in your life. But sometimes, folks, if we're not careful, familiarity breeds contempt. We get so used to the presence of God. You see, that, that was one thing that, if, if nothing else, marks this church. Since day one, that has been our purpose. The presence. And sometimes we get so used to that presence that we t- tune it out. How many of you watched Duck Dynasty? All right, I'm going to back up to Duck Dynasty for just a minute. You remember the episode where Phil is in the boat and Sister Kay is in the front and said, Do you remember this? And Do you remember that? And Do you remember this? And he said, I have learned the art of tuning out chatter. <laughs> and he's going, mm-hmm, mm. She's sitting there saying, Do you remember this? Do you remember that? And I'm going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's not hearing a thing that she is saying. Now, I like Phil. He's a, as far as I know, he's a godly man. I like him. He's a good guy. But that is the height of rudeness. Guys, I know she may be a chatterbox, brother. But if she fell dead today, you listen to me. Next week, next month, next year, you would give anything to hear her voice again. Saying, do you remember this? Do you remember that? You would give her your total undivided attention. And if God stops speaking to you, you will give anything to hear his voice again. And I think sometimes spiritually we're like Phil. God is speaking, but we're saying, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're tuning him completely out because it's become so familiar. Every guest speaker that comes to our church without failure has told me the same thing. Treasure what you have, Pastor. Treasure what you have. I'm in churches all the time. But there is a, there's something about your church. There's a presence of God in your church. You need to cherish that. And I'm telling you folks, we need to cherish that. It's a part of our purpose is to have the presence of God here. Now, I'm going to wrap up with this. Why are we here? What is the point of all of this? I believe that this is our purpose. Folks, God didn't need another church in central Virginia. There are churches everywhere. But if you are like me, you were in some of those churches, and I'm not here to throw stones at them. I'm just telling you what I experienced, all right? Maybe they've changed. I hope they have. I've been praying for almost 25 years right here in central Virginia for the Spirit of God to move in every church. 
So I'm not throwing stones at them. I don't know what God is doing in their churches. I know what it was like when I was there. And all I can tell you is there was something missing. If you talked about God speaking to you, they'd be ready to put you in a nut house. Why? Because they never heard the voice of God speak to them. They didn't even believe that He spoke to people. Something was missing. 2 Timothy 3.5 says that in the last days they will have a form of godliness, but they will deny the power thereof. Well, what power? Acts 1.8 says you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be a witness unto me. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Our purpose for being here is to be a Spirit-filled, Spirit-led church. That's our purpose. Because I hadn't been in too many of those folks. I have to be honest with you. They were led by their ideas, their denomination, their program, by everything other than the Holy Spirit. Our purpose was to bring the presence to this area. The first thing we did when we looked at this property, Brother Joel and I walked up here to this building. These were solid windows across the front and solid windows across the back. They'd all been knocked out. Beer cans in the building was just trashed. The whole building was trashed. The first thing we did was brought a bottle of oil up here. And he and I walked this property. We reached inside of the building and poured oil out in this building. And said, God, let your presence rest here. May your presence always be here. We anointed the lintel. We anointed the doorposts. We anointed the driveway. And God's presence is still here. I was sharing that with the group in the back. And Megan said, the Lord just said that the oil is still here. Because once oil is poured out, it never goes away. It soaks into whatever you pour it on, and it is always there. I didn't know that. It's still here. We've been inside of this building right here, this room. Anoint everything in here that you're sitting on, all these instruments. Everything in this place has been anointed. And prayed over, God, may your presence be here. Your presence, Lord. Your presence, God. That's what we long for. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't care what it looks like, God. As long as you're here and you're in it, that's all I care about. Last Sunday in the intercessory prayer room, we're praying. We pray every Sunday. They pray over me before I come out and preach. We're praying over Brother Potter. And when, when we got through, he said, One thing and one thing only do I ask you, O God, that we have your presence. That's our purpose. How we manifest that, I don't know. It it is revealed to us. But we want His presence. And as I was preparing this sermon, I was reminded. Jeannie stepped out. I was going to remind her of this. It would bless her. When we were in Bible college, a prophet called her and I to the side. Nobody's around, just us. And he said, this is going to sound strange, Bernie. But God is going to use you to minister the presence of God. And I remembered that. 
I've forgotten that. He said, you're actually going to call people forward and say, come and experience the presence of God. And it occurred to me, I've been doing that for 13 years right here. Trying to get people in the highways and the hedges and the byways to come here. Come in and experience the presence of God. Because His presence is here. Do you feel it? Do you sense it? We've had people actually drive by the church and said they felt the presence of God on this place. There was a guy working at North Anna with one of our people. They got to talk and learn that they were both Christians. He said, well, where do you go to church? And he told him. He's like... That place, and he described our church. He's like, yeah, that's the place. He said, I was driving past there, and I felt the presence of God coming to my car. And I'm like, wow. We had one man drive by, and he stood. I've never seen a vision. Now, some people see visions. I mean, I've seen a, a couple of things, but I mean with your eyes open visions. You know what I'm saying? I've seen them in my mind, in my thinking, my imagination. But seeing something that's really like standing there. It looks like he could walk up and touch it. I've never seen that. Some people have. He said he was driving by and he saw an angel standing over top of this building. I'm like, wow, I'd love to see that. That might scare me to death, though. I don't know. I'm a chicken. But that's our purpose, to be a witness. He said that we'll be endued with power to be a witness in Jerusalem. Now, there's three or four points, and I'm going to finish up here. Our purpose, and I don't know how we're going to work this out, but our purpose is to be a witness, first of all, in Jerusalem. My vision begins right here. It says in Galatians 6.10, As we have, therefore, opportunity to let us do good unto all men, especially unto those who are of the household of faith. I wrote an article in Central Virginia one time. It says, we're willing to go around the world and do a week or two missions trip. Because we will go there and do things that we would never do right here in our own community. Because when we're done, they can't ask anything else of us. But here, you're around me all the time. You can ask things of me all the time. It's tougher here. But folks, right here is where our vision begins. This is our vision. Now, I'm praying for all of our missionaries, but that's not my vision. That's a part of what we do. But ministering to the person beside... It doesn't matter if I reach people all the way around the world. I don't even minister to the person sitting right beside of me. The people that lives in my own house, it begins at Jerusalem. And then it goes out to Judea and Samaria. That means it goes out into our community, outside of this church. This is my first priority right here. You are. Outside of that, I want to minister to the people in this community. I want to be a blessing to them. Then I want to be a blessing to the people in our country, Judea. And minister to them. That is our vision. And let me tell you something, folks. Are you listening? Are you still with me? You will not find a harder mission field anywhere in the world than you will find right here. Because, Lord, indeed, they're coming back from India and they'll tell you themselves that at least the people over there are spiritually sensitive. 
They're looking for spiritual intervention. They're looking in the wrong places. But they're open to the things of the Spirit. Here, nobody has need for the Holy Spirit here or any other spirit for that matter. The church of Laodicea, we, we have everything. We are in need of nothing. And don't even know that they're naked and blind, wretched and poor. There's no harder mission field anywhere in the world than right here in the United States of America. The hardest hearted people in the world are right here. And that's our vision. It's our mission. And then, of course, the uttermost parts of the earth will go overseas. And that's why we're praying for our missionaries now. We want to bring true worship to the house of God. We want to disciple people. We want to evangelize people. How are we going? That's our purpose. See, really, if you look at the Assemblies of God, we have a threefold reason for being. Number one, to have a place for the worship of Almighty God. We want true worship. I believe we have that. I believe we truly enter into worship when we come into this place. How many of you would agree with that? To have the worship of Almighty God. The second thing, the reason for being is the discipleship. You know, and that is our our reason for being. It's in our our paperwork. And the third thing is to propagate the gospel by all available means. That means spread the gospel around the world to evangelize. So we can put all those in place. Yeah, that's our purpose. But how do we do those things? God will show us when we get there. Right now, how many of you are going to be praying with me against spiritual dichotomy? Amen. Pray with me against spiritual dichotomy. We don't need to be divided. We need to be united behind the same vision. Spiritual dichotomy. How many is going to start praying for our missionaries? God told me we need to start praying for our missionaries. You know, there's a missionary right now in prison in Iran. He's not our missionary. But they locked him up on Trump charges, trumped up charges. He wasn't even trying to go out and proselytize. He was opening an orphanage. But they found out he was a Christian pastor. He's being tortured right now. And he's asking, does anybody still care? Is anybody still, do they, do they remember me? Are they trying to help me? And they're trying to get him to convert back to Islam. He's an Iranian man that came and lived in America. He's an American. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's on the news. And now he's in prison in Iran. We need to be praying for him and his family. See, we get so locked into things that's going on in our life. God, forgive us. I do. I'm man. I wake up in the morning and I look in ten different directions and I got fifty things to do in every direction. And we can get so busy serving God that we don't have any relationship with God. Busyness, being under Satan's yoke. I preached a sermon on that one time. All right, I'm done. Stand up.